0: Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button today to Edge Got In, to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. Our mission statement at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. We are the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project, emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. And and it truly is our mission to create learning systems using podcasts, as well as books and seminars and trainings, as well as a course and a six-week study guide to create those learning systems that lead to an experience first and foremost, my friends, to the experience of God's love for you, which will then empower you to be able to manage your emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God, as I've mentioned before and continually say to myself every day. (laughs) This is a job for Jesus. No doubt about that. Our topic today is a powerful one. In fact, I was praying before even jumping on today and um, just in transparency just said, I don't even feel worthy enough to even teach this subject today because it is so packed full of prophecy and so pray for me, and I am, I am praying that the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart will be acceptable in God's eyes for your edification. This topic is very powerful and very timely as well in the society that we're, we find ourselves in these days. The title, Wake Up, Take Heart, God is in Charge. The learning objective for today's podcast at the end of today's podcast that you will learn the six sins laid out in Isaiah chapter 5. When was the last time you read Isaiah chapter 5 and 6? It is packed, full of prophecy that relates to the times we find ourselves in today. So you will learn the six sins laid out in Isaiah 5 and the power of God's sovereignty in the midst of it all to bring us hope, encouragement. Isaiah, when he wrote chapter five uh, and six and all throughout Isaiah, he was um, particularly distressed. He was was very distressed and terrified in many ways because people were losing their way, including himself. And he was profoundly distressed and, and he needs help. So keep that in mind as I'm reading through Isaiah five and six. This is the emotional state that Isaiah is in when he's when he's penning these words. He wanted to see if God was still in charge. So perhaps, my friend, you are going through something today, or you are distressed by what you see around you, and you are wondering if God is still in charge. If so you were not alone. And yes, God is still in charge. So today we'll pull a little bit of the prophecy as well of the end times and the things that we're called to be able to be awake around. Wake up, O sleeper. Your salvation is drawing near. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sweet Jesus, we are nothing without you. And we can do nothing good without you in and through us. And as you have taught us in your emotionally intelligent way, with you, all things are possible. And you've also let us know what to look for in the end times and and how to be ready. So as we learn in Matthew 25, you gave us three examples of the virgins, of the talents, and of the sheep and the goats. Help us to be prepared, Lord. To be able to look for our give back project, to make you recognizable, to love well the people that you've put in our lives, and to stay awake to the purpose for which our heart beats. Give us clarity of focus for accuracy or response, we pray, dear God, around the gifts and talents you've given us, and show us how you desire for us to use those gifts and talents to help the people you have entrusted to our care. Is this not our purpose? Thank you, Father God, that we are your handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which you have prepared in advance for us to do. Give us the grace to stand outside of the hijack of the hardened heart, which we read about in the Gospel of Matthew when you're preparing us and giving us a heads up of what to look for. Be very, very careful. The hearts of many will grow cold because of the evil around them. So we pray, dear God, that you would protect our hearts, protect our minds, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, in spite of what we are surrounded by, including our own negative thoughts, conclusions, fears, doubts, and worries. Save us, Lord. You are the Savior of the world. Give us the grace to live in the thrill of the surrendered life and show us the part that you desire for us to play to outshine the darkness. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Quick side note here for emotional intelligence in Christ. We are still honoring the 50% discount on the course, Emotional Intelligence in Christ. So if you're looking to increase your emotional intelligence, your ability to manage, discern, and manage your emotions and behaviors, in a way that honors God, then join us this summer. It's a great summer class to take. You can access that at emotionalintelligenceandchrist.com. If you haven't taken the six-week journey, perhaps that could be a summer study for you. Our six-week study guide is now available at emotionalintelligenceandchrist.com. Upon checkout for the course, not the book or the six study, six-week study guide, the course is still 50% off. Use the code at checkout, E-I-C-2023, E-I-C-2023. Let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, join me on this. I'm big on on just the the tactical experience of opening the word of God. If not, if you're driving, just listen along. As, As always, I invite you to think about and to pause for a minute and just ask the Holy Spirit, hey, I'm tuning into this podcast. God, what's for me? Holy Spirit, bump me, move me, show me what is for me in this podcast, because I'm showing up to hear, to listen, and to respond. And then when the Holy Spirit does give you that one thing that you are bumped and moved by, pause the podcast, write it down, take a note, pull off to the side of the road, give yourself a voice text so that you don't forget We are encouraged not to forget what we're looking at in the word of God, but to remember it and to apply it. So we start our journey today, my friends, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous and I'll add Jesus' words, people will take offense. They'll be without self-control, brutal, lovers of evil rather than good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. We are all created in the image of God, but denying its power or even adding on making oneself god have nothing to do with such people second timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 and these will be these will be listed my friends at edgegodin.com as with all of our podcasts you will find the learning objective as well as the title you'll also find the scripture's referenced and a prayer and a one sheet at edgegodin.com to capture your learnings Let's jump to Isaiah chapter 5 and understanding again the context that he wrote this in. Isaiah was distressed. He was distressed at the ungodliness that he was witnessing around him, also owning it in his own life, right? We all get hijacked. And we do behaviors that separate us from the love of God, which is sin. God's sovereignty is Isaiah's comfort. The holiness of God is actually a terrifying reality, my friends. And Isaiah was sent to his knees in the presence of God. And he's in distress and needing help, really wanting to know, God, are you still in charge? So keep that in mind as we're reading through and exploring some of the specific scriptures here. The first part of Isaiah chapter 5, he's speaking about a vineyard, and it's a vineyard of the beloved, the beloved's, God's beloved vineyard. Jesus' references to Jesus subliminally are are strewn throughout Isaiah. Let us listen, starting at at verse 2, chapter 5. Now let me sing for my greatly beloved Lord, a song of my beloved about his vineyard. We're his vineyard, my friends, by the way, his chosen people. As Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So perhaps you're going through a season right now where you are just pushing, swimming upstream, feeling like a fish swimming through jello, so to speak, and you feel like you're not getting anywhere just pause and ask yourself, what percentage of my efforts are coming from my own strength and determination? And perhaps I am swimming up a stream that God didn't ask me to swim up. So that takes that discernment as well. Either way, we're part of his vineyard, his chosen people, greatly beloved. He dug it all around and cleared away its stones and planted it with the choicest vine And he built a tower in the center of it and also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce the choicest grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. And now, says the Lord, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard, my people. What more could have been done for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it produced, to produce good grapes, why did it yield worthless ones? So now, let me tell you what I'm going to do with my vineyard. I will take away its thorn hedge, and it will be burned up. I will break down its stone wall, and it will be trampled upon by its enemies. I will turn it into wasteland. It will be not be pruned or cultivated, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also command the clouds not to rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house, the nation of Israel, and the men of Judah are his delightful planting. So he, he looked for justice, but in fact, he saw bloodshed and lawlessness. For righteousness, he looked for righteousness, but in fact, he saw a cry of distress and oppression. So that's how chapter five starts out. Basically, he's simply saying, hey, this is my beloved vineyard. You, my friends, are his beloved vineyard. Yet he's in distress at the lawlessness and the bitterness that is growing up among the vineyard. So Isaiah goes on to list six sins that are taking over society and the nation. The first one and they all start with woe by the way and when you read through revelations it's it's amazing the typology of the scriptures is so powerful blows me away every time i meditate upon it as we read through excuse me revelations there are many woes all through the new testament at different times but particularly jesus uh went through a, a list of woes woe to you pharisees Woe to you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees. And so again, here we have in Isaiah starting out, woe, judgment is coming to those who join house to house and join field to field to increase the holdings by depriving other people. So the first sin, my friends, is materialism. Until there was no more room for anybody so that you have to live alone in the midst of the land. In my ears, the Lord of hosts said, be assured that many houses will become desolate. Even great and beautiful ones will be unoccupied. For 10 acres of vineyards will yield only one batch of wine, and a homer, six bushels of seed, will produce only one effa of grain. First sin, he mentions, is materialism. is basically joining up and and depriving others, uh, simply put, greed. The second sin, woe, judgment is coming to those who rise early in the morning to pursue intoxicating drink. Second sin is pleasure seeking. First sin is materialism. Second sin is pleasure seeking. Is this sounding familiar to you? As we look around in our society today and perhaps any role that we're playing in this? And I stand in this myself in terms of self examination. Dear God, sift me, show me where I am holding on out of greed to the material things in this world and not being generous with my time, my talent, my treasure. Where I'm being pleasure-seeking rather than saying, hey, who needs help today that I can give back of my time, my talent, my treasure? First sin, materialism. Second sin, pleasure-seeking. Stick with me here because this gets very familiar as we continue on. Those who stay up late, they have lyre, harp, tambourine, flute, wine at their feasts, but they do not, nor, they do not regard, nor even pay attention to the deeds of the Lord, nor do they consider the work of his hands. Therefore, my people will go into exile because they lack knowledge of God, and their honorable men are famished, and their common people are parched with thirst. The common man will be bowed down and the man of importance will be degraded, and the eyes of the proud, the arrogant, will be degraded. But the Lord of hosts will be exalted in justice. And God, the Holy One, will show himself holy in righteousness. Then the lambs will graze as in their own pasture, and strangers will eat in the desolate places of exile. First sin again, in Isaiah chapter 5, Materialism, second sin, pleasure seeking, third sin, wickedness, judgment is coming to those who drag along wickedness and falsehood, falsehood and wickedness, third sin, and sin as if with cart ropes will be punished, who say, let him move speedily, let him expedite his work so that we may see it. And let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel approach and come to pass so that we may know it. So this is the greed. Greed that that fuels wickedness and leads to punishment. So third sin, wickedness. Good is seen as evil, evil seen as good. Fourth sin, woe, judgment is coming on those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The fourth woe, the fourth sin. They had pride that Isaiah speaks about to dare God to stop them, putting evil, just slapping it out there, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Fourth sin, seeing good as evil and evil is good, and daring God to stop them. Fifth sin, woe, judgment is coming on those who are wise in their own eyes and clever and shrewd in their own sight. Arrogant conceit, fifth sin. Sixth sin, woe, judgment is coming to those who are hearers at drinking wine and men, at strength, and men of strength and mixing intoxicating drink who justify the wicked and acquit the guilty for a bribe for a bribe, and take away the rights of those who are in the right. Sixth, sin, my friends. Corrupt, leadership. Woe, judgment is coming to those who are heroes at drinking wine and men of strength in mixing intoxicating drinks, who justify the wicked and acquit the guilty for a bribe. And take away the rights of those who are in the right. Sixth woe, sixth sin. First one again to sum it up in chapter five, and then we'll move on to chapter six. Chapter six is the encounter that Isaiah has with God and what happens. So first first sin in, in Isaiah chapter five, materialism. Second sin, pleasure seeking. Third sin, wickedness. Falsehood. Fourth sin, daring God to stop them, seeing evil as good and good as evil. Fifth sin, arrogant conceit. Sixth sin, corrupt leadership. God's response to all of this, therefore, as the tongue of fire consumes the, subtle, the stubble, And the dry grass collapses into the flame, so their root will become like rot, and their blossom blow away like fine dust, because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised and discarded the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, The anger of the Lord has burned against his people, and he has stretched out his hand against them and struck them down. And the mountains trembled, and their dead bodies lay like rubbish in the midst of the streets. In spite of all this, God's anger is not turned away, but his hand is still stretched out in judgment. He will lift up a flag to call the distant nation, to bring his judgment on on Judah, and will whistle for them at the ends of the earth. And indeed, they will come swiftly. No one among them is weary or stumbles. No one slumbers or sleeps, nor is the belt of their waist undone or the strap of their sandal broken. Their arrows are sharp and their bows are strung and bent. Their horses hooves are swift like flint. Their chariots wheels like a whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lioness. They roar like young lions. They growl and seize their prey and carry it off and there is no one to save it. And in that day, they will roar against them like the roaring of the sea. And if one looks to the land, in fact, there is darkness and distress, even the light will be darkened by its clouds. My friends, this is prophecy that is confirmed in the New Testament, as well as particularly as in the book of Revelations of what is to come. So again, to stand firm, to be ready. Now is the time for us to open our eyes, to see, ears, to hear. And this is what we learn in Isaiah. What are we to do about this? My goodness, guilty. Those six sins, you see evidence that demands a verdict everywhere you look, including inside the castle. We struggle with these sins, even within our own thinking and our choice points and our decisions with materialism, with pleasure-seeking, um with uh, pursuing wickedness and falsehood, those little white lies, for seeing good as evil, evil as good, for watering things down and saying, well, that's okay. That's not okay. This is a time for us to stand firm in Christ. The arrogant um, conceit which happens. God convicts me every day. I've mentioned this before, um, the, the 50 Fruits of Pride, and we did a podcast on that as well. But you can print that out, and it's a it's a very powerful reminder because we're all hijacked by pride, and it's the one thing that God hates. And so to really humble ourselves before the Lord and to ask him what part he wants us to play at this particular time, there's no mistake you're here. There's no mistake, my friends, that you're wearing the earth suit right now, here now, for the glory of God. It's not by accident that you were here at this particular time in history. We go on in Isaiah chapter six to read about the holiness uh, related to judgment. And um, Isaiah just basically sets it up as having an encounter and seeing a vision, which by the way, is confirmed similar vision in Revelation. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw in a vision the Lord sitting on a throne high and exalted with the train of his royal robe, the most holy part of the temple. Above him, a seraphim, heavenly beings, stood. Each one had six wings. With two wings, he covered his face. With two wings, he covered his feet. And with two wings, he flew. Can you imagine seeing this? I mean, just reading this, it's, it's beyond our comprehension. And the one called out to the, to the other. This is a father, son, and the Holy Spirit. He's speaking about here. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at his voice when they called out. And the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, and this is Isaiah who's witnessing this. By the way, everything shakes in the presence of God everything shakes. When the Holy Spirit crashed and crashed the scene in the upper room in Pentecost, everything shook. People tremble in the presence of God. And yet we've lost that type of wonder and awe of the God who's ultimately in charge. Then I said, woe to me for I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he has taken from the altar. He touched my mouth and said, listen carefully. This has touched your lips, your wickedness, your sin, your injustice, your wrongdoing. It is taken away from you and your sin is atoned for and forgiven. Thanks be to God. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who is willing to go for us? Now, this is a powerful verse, my friends, and perhaps you've memorized this one. And it's easy to take this for granted as you're reading through this. Let's stop and pause and ask the Holy Spirit, is it me? And how do you want to send me? His response to us is always yes for the willing heart who's willing to go. So, Isaiah here is encountering this, and this is very true for us today in the midst of of the six sins that we're witnessing around us and within us. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. So, your earth school practice this week is to increase your awareness of this question from God. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Out into the world that is hijacked by six very serious sins, including ourselves. There's no stone throwing here. (laughs) This is a job for Jesus' blood and his redemption to save us. And to give us victory whom shall i send here i am send me so as you're going through your day just pause several times during the day think on that meditate on that request that question whom shall i send here i am lord send me i have this meeting send me in what are the words you want me to use what facial expression do you want me to use what intonation do you want me to use Again, our delivery system makes God recognizable. Our face is a billboard, my friends, to the presence of God, just as Moses was when after he encountered God. Does your face reflect your time with God? Does your intonation reflect your love for Christ, your body language? This is why we're here. We think we're here for the materialism, for the advancement, to be seen, acknowledged, recognized, to be advanced in life, popularity, passion, position, pleasure, all of it is of the world. And God is calling us up and out more than ever to stand for him today. And he said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not understand. Keep on looking, but do not comprehend. Make the heart of the people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and return and be healed. I'm going to pause here for a minute because Jesus declares this quote, Four different times, one in every gospel. And again, it's declared at the end of Acts, the book of Acts, Acts 28, verses 26 through 27, this very verse. So what does this say to us? Lean in. <laughs> this is; These are very important and timely words for us to lean into this. So it's qu- quoted in each gospel. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10 is quoted in each gospel. Matthew 13, 14 through 15, Luke 8, 10, Mark 4, 11 through 10, and John 12, 40. This is worthy of our attention. And what is Isaiah basically saying here? That he's telling them that it's too late. Your heart has been hardened. And yet Jesus declares this as well, that Hey, though eyes they don't see, ears they don't hear, heart they can't comprehend, because if they did, they would turn and I would heal them. So Jesus is constantly, Jesus is reaching out to us today, to you today, to come back, begin again, because he's, he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And it's him that's God's work within you. He's willing to work within you, both to will and to act according to God's purposes. He adores you, my friend. So whatever it is, whatever you're getting hijacked by these days or giving free rent to between your two ears, God desires to deliver you, to soften your heart, open your eyes and open your ears. So Isaiah's in distress. Again, he's profoundly distressed. He needs help. He wanted to see if God is still in charge and God is responding to him very clearly, letting him know, I am still in charge. And Isaiah asks him, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are devastated without inhabitants, houses are without people, land is utterly desolate, the Lord has removed far away, and there are many deserted places in the midst of the land. And though a tenth of the people remain in the land, it will again be subject to destruction, like a massive tree or like an oak whose stump remains, and after it's been chopped down, the holy seed in its stump are my people. So God is calling out to us today, more than ever, to stand firm and to speak the truth in love. To be able to discern good from evil, evil from good. For being able to be strong and, and steadfast, and those who stand firm to the end will be saved, as Jesus said. This week, our house was hit by a tornado. We've never had a tornado in Highlands Ranch. And um, I, had, I had been working on campus uh, in Golden, which I, do, which I do every month. And my husband, I get a text from my husband, a tornado hit our house. And I was getting blasts where I was working that was saying there was baseball size hail. So when I heard that, I started praying for my garden. Go figure. I started praying that God would protect my garden from hail, not even thinking that a tornado would come by our house. And so um, when I came home, the devastation was profound. As I drove up, all the trees were flattened, completely snapped in half and uprooted. And as I drove down through my neighborhood, there were tramps that were blown over people's houses uh, in the street. It, it's, it wasn't as bad as some of the tornadoes at all have <clears throat> flattened societies, and I feel very blessed about that and pray for those people that have been devastated, seriously devastated by tornadoes. I mean, we still have our house, thank God. Um, the damage is is outside. We had a, a massive, massive pine tree in the front that could have fallen on my house, on our house, but what it did is it snapped at the base and fell into the street, went all the way across the street. And we lost a bunch of trees. Uh, my husband was in the house when it hit, and uh, didn't wasn't taking the the warning seriously. As he looked outside, until our our patio furniture, which is not light, was lifted up off the patio and disappeared, as well as our tramp. And so it was a very very scary, powerful uh, witness to the power of God. And this reference this morning of a massive tree or oak whose stump remains when it's fallen over. Um, That stump, as Isaiah said, is the seed or the remnant of God's people. There is a tornado of these six sins that are hitting our world today. We are not exempt. Stand firm till the end. And we are promised by Jesus Christ that we will be saved. Is God in charge in spite of these six sins in Isaiah chapter 5 and 6? Absolutely. Isaiah wanted to see that God was still in charge. And God said, hey, I see everything. Nothing will go unnoticed or unjudged. By the grace of God and by the blood of Christ, We have the opportunity to be cleansed of our sin. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. My friends, this is an invitation. The first one is to answer the question in Isaiah chapter 6. Whom shall I send? Send me, God. Send me. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek his face. Turn from our wicked ways. Then God will hear us and heal our land. I'll end with a couple of verses that speak into the light versus the darkness from the gospel of John chapter 12, starting at verse 35. So Jesus said to them, the light is among you only a little longer. Walk while you have the light, keep on living in it. Do not compromise. Do not step to the right or to the left. So the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. He is drifting aimlessly. While you have the light, believe and trust in the light. Have faith in it. Hold on to it. Rely on it. So that you may become sons and daughters of light. Being filled with light as followers of God. Jesus said these things, and then he left and hid himself from them. Even though he had done so many signs attesting miracles right before them, They still did not believe. This was to fulfill what Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm or the power of the Lord been shown? Therefore, they could not believe. For Isaiah said again and again, we just read this in Isaiah chapter six, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts to keep them from seeing with their eyes and understanding with their heart and being converted otherwise, I, their God, would heal them. If they turned from their wicked ways, I will heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, even many of the leading men believed in him as Savior and Messiah, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess it for fear that they, if they acknowledged him openly, that they would be put out of the synagogue. And this is the part that I want to end with, my friends, that is so incredibly powerful for us today. Galatians 1:10. Are you still trying to seek the approval of God or of man? If you were trying to seek the approval of man, the needing to be right, liked, understood, esteemed, in a power, position of power, having possessions, popularity. If you are still seeking the things of amongst men. You cannot be a servant of God. Fear prevents us from standing and speaking truth in love, not truth in hatred with a delivery system hijacked by strong negative emotions and your need to be right. That's an entirely different delivery system. We're talking about the delivery system of truth that is empowered with the Holy Spirit within us to give us victory so that our emotions do not bully our behavior and cause us to make the sin recognizable in our lives rather than the grace of God recognizable in our lives. Nevertheless, many of the leading men believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they wouldn't confess it because they were afraid of getting kicked out of the synagogue. So metaphorically, what is it in your life that you are afraid of? Afraid of speaking out on because you might be Kicked out or canceled in any way. For they love the approval of men more than the approval of God, Jesus said. But Jesus loudly declared, The one who believes and trusts in me does not believe only in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, so that everyone who believes and trusts in me as Savior, all those who anchor their hope in me and rely on the truth of my message, will continue will not continue to live in darkness. Whoever rejects me and refuses to accept my teaching has one who judges him. The very word that I spoke will judge and condemn him on the last day. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So my friends, let us close by praying Second Chronicles 7:14. Dear God, we ask by your grace to move us as a people, as your people, by your name, to humble ourselves, to pray, to turn from those six sins laid out in Isaiah chapter 15, to be able to humble ourselves as Isaiah did before you, and you reached out and touched him, and ask whom shall I send. Send us, dear God. Help us to humble ourselves and to pray, to seek your face first and foremost, to step away from the drug of approval and the disease to please. Give us the courage to be able to speak the truth in love, to embrace the truth that you did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Help us, dear God, and save us. Give us the grace to seek your face above our own to-do lists, above our own internal drive and expectations and definition of success. Give us the grace to pause, to seek your face, to turn from our wicked ways. Hear us, O God, from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our land. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, my friends, this was a lot. I invite you to do your own study and sit before the Word of God, the power of the Word of God from Isaiah chapter 5 and 6, and from John chapter 12, verses 35 through 49. These will all be listed at edgegodin.com under this podcast. In the end times, people will be hijacked by those six sins and are, we are seeing this, And we're seeing signs and wonders, things that are happening all over the world. So what is your tornado that's causing you to remember the power of God in an instant to flatten your world? That is causing you to pause, to reflect, and to begin again as you surrender your life and your purpose into the hands of God. If my people would humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven. Enjoy your gift of life and continue to outshine the darkness. God's favor to you, my friends. I look forward to our next podcast together. Next week will be a powerful one. You're not going to want to miss that one. It's Johnny Erickson Tata who shares her story and her victory over some very dark times, by giving glory to God and the power of God within her to overcome. So join us next week as well. Enjoy your gift of life today. God bless you.